Hello and welcome to Supernatural Selection. I'm your host, Kevin the Bastard. With me this week are Mike the Skeptic. Mike, how are you? Are the straps holding you to the chair comfortable? Um, I didn't realize I was strapped down. I was just kind of sitting here vibing. Oh, awesome. Moisturize in my lane. <laughs> Damn it. Okay, that's fair. Uh, yeah, I strapped you down because this is going to be a rough one. Um, it's for your safety and mine. So, we also have, of course, Mr. David Davis. David, how are you today? You know, I'm doing okay. I do have some uh, illicit government material I've been keeping in my house. That shouldn't be a problem, right? Uh, No, you're not in Florida, so you should be fine. Okay, fair enough. All mm-hmm. right. Yeah, California, the government doesn't even like to acknowledge that California's there. You guys are like the... Uh, antithesis of everything they hold dear i think uh-huh. yeah so before we get started a little bit of housekeeping here uh yesterday i recorded a uh guest spot on a podcast called flagged for content run by andy aka darth plato who is on our Discord. And it's a podcast about flags, and uh, we had a good time riffing on uh, foreign flags and uh, me trying to guess where some of them came from. And uh, I'm really excited about it. I had a ball. And uh, that is going to go live on August 19th. So if you're listening to this on the station, that's going to be next Friday. So... I'm excited about that. I'm looking forward to hearing it. I'm looking forward to everyone else getting a chance to hear it. I'll put a link to his podcast in the show notes. Sounds also, fun. Also known as the shouts. The shouts. I like that. The shouts. So um, this week, after a minor scheduling snafu in general, we're going to cover now. Let me say that this is going to be what we'll call part two of the origins of humanity. Graham Hancock is sort of retroactively part one because this is the kind of stuff he deals with, except this is way more ancient aliens than Hancock usually gets into. And uh, we're going to be talking about Zachariah Sitchin. And uh, this is this is hardcore ancient astronaut stuff. Now... David, you and I did a little bit of talking about that on a Patreon episode, but uh, Mike, David, what do you guys know about the ancient astronauts? They were ancient and they were astronauts. Very good, Mike. Thank you. I'm glad you're here to clear this stuff up. That's literally me answering a question on a quiz or something. <laughs> As- ancient astronauts are astronauts who are ancient. Who are so, older uh, than usual. I, so, <laughs> so, so we're talking like uh, Buzz Aldrin when they shot him up on the space shuttle when he was like 90? Um, okay. William Shatner? Or, it's kind of well, like that, but Moses. Well, <laughs> William Shatner, I mean, is he really an astronaut? He only went up to the Carmen line. No, I mean, he's he didn't in how, have you, how high have you gotten, Mike? I mean, you know, that's a quite personal question. I live in Mississippi, which is quasi-legal, so I can't really answer that. Well, there was that edible that time. Yeah. Wait, hey, I said don't don't incriminate me, bro. Sorry. Sorry. Sorry, there was nothing. We did nothing. But no, uh, no, I mean, 
30,000 feet or whatever a you know commercial airliner goes to. Okay. That's fair. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh I mean, yeah. Okay, so the chat has gone. The chat has gone higher than me. I will admit, but an astronaut, really? Okay, that's, this this is like arguing the Bezos thing. Yeah, that's because he literally went on Bezos's penis boat. Yes, I'm familiar. <laughs> so, David, you were going to say something there? Yeah, like so, like ancient astronauts theory. As far as I see it, and this is my hot take, it's uh, paranormal bookstore racism. <laughs> Um, yeah. Just the idea that people of color could not create large-scale engineering projects without the guidance of a quote-unquote higher intelligence. Oh, yeah, no. This is totally um, basically people looking at ancient structures and going, I don't know who built that, but i tell you one thing. They weren't fucking brown. The Egyptians surely didn't know trigonometry and know how to build a pyramid. Surely they didn't know how to pile rocks until you ran out of rocks. And make the bottom wider than the top. Yeah. yeah. It's seriously, we are talking about a theory that basically says I mean, ancient people didn't know basic shapes. You look at a fucking hill, the bottom <laughs> is wider than the top. This is very, very true. I mean, in nature, there's very few things where the bottom is skinnier than the top. So it stands to reason. Well, you know, but like I said, I didn't say impossible. I said very rare. Okay, that's fair. And usually it's erosion. So, but we kind of, Mike, you agree with the whole idea that the ancient astronaut theory is basically um, brown people couldn't do that. I mean, I don't want to put words in their mouths. I mean, they, a lot of these people also espouse that, you know, even white people couldn't make things because, you know, they say, you know, microchips came from aliens and pretty okay, much that's, every every technological advance came you, from aliens. You do have a point there that every modern thing came from Roswell. Okay, that's fair. So, like I said, today we're going to be talking about Zechariah Sitchin, and we're going to be talking about his Sumerian-centered ideas um, about where we came from. Sumerian-centric? Yeah. But we're going to talk about those ideas, uh, about where we came from, why we're here, and maybe where we're going. Hell. Yes, absolutely. But first, let's talk a little bit about the man himself, shall we? Do we have to? Absolutely. I heard Mike already crack open a cold one. <sighs> I think uh, that was a Coke. Yeah, it was a cold yeah. Coke Zero. But Yeah, know. but Mike's Mike's already got his rum. He's good. I'm not a beer man. I'm yeah. a rum man. Oh, oh, oh so you do the rum first, then the Coke after. Yes. Yeah. Off, off <laughs> well, it is rum and Coke, so yes. that implies a sequence. Already? Absolutely. Now it's time for the Coke. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, sorry, my microphone turned off for a second. The podcast doesn't want you to continue. We are, yeah, I know. My technology is like, no, don't spread this. <laughs> oh, God. So, Zechariah Sitchin was born in 1920 in Soviet Azerbaijan. I'm proud of my pronunciation on that. And he was raised in, uh, at the time, it was called Mandatory Palestine, which is a really hardcore name for modern Israel. Yeah, no. That yeah. yeah, if if you if you'd, if you'd watched Miss Marvel, you'd know about that. Oh well, yeah, okay, that's fair. 
So he graduated from the University of London with a degree in economics, and he worked for a shipping firm in New York, which means he is uniquely qualified to tell us about history and aliens. Well, I mean, if you can make it in New York, you can make it anywhere. That, so. that's, that's very, very true. So at this point, it's uh, 1952, and he has taught himself to read cuneiform, ancient Sumerian, and Akkadian. And uh, what does it mean when you teach yourself something? You don't know shit. And no one tells you you're wrong. Now, now Akkadian we're talking about in Louisiana, right? <laughs> uh, no. Oh, okay, fair enough. No, nobody can understand that. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I guarantee I can. Oh, bite me. <laughs> So, if this seem, info seems a little bit vague, it's because there's honestly not a hell of a lot of information about the man's past out there. I mean, there's some, but, like, you know, it's not what he's known for. And uh, I honestly think he just lived a relatively simple and unremarkable life until he jumped career tracks. So, well, he was a simple kind of man? Oh, God. Something you love and understand? <laughs> Well, we see a lot of this with people in this field, though, this larger paranormal, like, UFO bullshit. Mm -hmm. um, they, 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 tend, they tend to, like, obscure or hide information on their background because questions naturally come up, and they want to control how they're seen in an attempt to give themselves some kind of legitimacy. So it, it seems like maybe he's also kind of curating his story here. That's true, but, you know, I will give him credit for not ever claiming to be a doctor. Right. Yes, and then never. also, it's 1920 Soviet Azerbaijan, so... Yeah, that's true. So, uh, it's around this same time he also begins visiting archaeological sites in the Middle and Near East, specifically Iraq, Egypt, and the Holy Land. And it's from his observations and readings in these places that he began to craft his theories. Now, again, now, 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 when you say he also began visiting, does he just, like, fucking pop up? Like, he comes up with his can of Coke and his umbrella, and it's like, <laughs> hey, guys, what's up? Can I, can I tag along? Yeah, actually. And and also, like, you know, he made friends. He had connections as a, uh, uh, he worked in shipping, so he, he knew people. He had to deal with, like, customs, so he'd be like, hey, can you get me on this site? I'm well, guessing. Do you think he smuggled antiquities? Um, I don't know. Um... I, I, I honestly don't know. That's a very good question. I hope not. Uh, but I, I will say for Hobby Lobby. Oh, God. <laughs> How much will you give me for this ancient seal? But I, honestly, it talks about a lot of his research was like he also did a lot of research of uh, artifacts and museums. So hopefully he did not steal these things. Mm. So... Start studying all this in uh, 52, and this all actually came to a head in 1976, the year I was born. year before I was born. Uh, when he published his first book, The Twelfth Planet, which outlines our alien origins. Now, this was the first book in what would eventually be known as the Earth Chronicles. And he would continue this series for seven books, along with several companion books, until 2007. I love that young adult series. The Earth Chronicles? Yes. Yeah, yeah. The but movies I'll, didn't I'll, do I'll, it like, justice. Yeah, 
it sounds like like Warhammer 40k collection, you know, because you also have the companion book. You know, <laughs> you gotta understand how those Necrons work. Yeah, no, I need the uh, Codex uh, Anunnaki so I can play. <laughs> um, He's all about the expansions. Oh yeah, man. But but I'm serious. After sixth edition, it just went downhill. Yeah, no. I mean, when they when they turned the Anunnaki into uh, fungus, I, I just checked out. <laughs> so that's a deep cut. So he and Eric von Daniken would be at the forefront of the ancient astronaut world, and I have a plan to eventually cover Eric von Daniken. But they were both giving lectures, and he was appearing on television and. And in documentaries until Zechariah Sitchin died in 2011. So he died knowing his theories were 100% correct and nobody could disprove them, right? Well, I'm sure that's what he believed. Belief's a powerful <laughs> drug. Ain't it? I mean, like, it's like cocaine. Belief's a hell of a drug. <laughs> Charlie Murphy. Okay. So. <laughs> All right. Now. There's one question I do not have down here, and I'm sure uh, Mike is chomping at the bit, wondering why the hell is it called the Twelfth Planet, right? Um, it hadn't crossed my mind, but yes, that that is quite a valid question. Well, the actual the the reason it's called the Twelfth Planet is because the Sumerians counted the Sun, mm-hmm. Mercury, mm-hmm. Venus, mm-hmm. Earth, mm-hmm. the Moon, of course, the Moon, uh huh, Luna, Luna, uh. The ones after that, Jupiter. What about Mars? Saturn. I thought I said Mars. I don't know. Okay. I was uh, going in order, so I didn't okay. hear Mars after Earth. So. Well, anyway, uh, and then counting this twelfth, this other planet that the book is about, it, it makes 12. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because uh, reasons. So, I just think it's interesting. It's called the 12th planet, and he very easily could have just called it the 10th planet and uh, not confuse people. So, just, you know, an aside there. I'm, I'm trying to figure out, like, that only gets me to, like, 10 in what you you could see, you know, pre-telescope. No, 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 Mike, Mike, hmm. Mike. I know I'm putting logic here now, now he explains it due. very well in the book mm-hmm. in that he explains it and my brain has rejected that knowledge <laughs> so so you can't explain it to me because it just kind of like it 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 like missed you the way you know a joke does to some people just like bounced off your head and didn't stick. Imagine watching a hobo take a shit on the road in front of you and you just want to pretend it didn't happen. So so it was just it was too dumb for it to actually make an indent. Yeah, I mean there's a lot in the book that did leave an impression on me, yeah. but that's not one of them. Now, speaking of the book, now Mike and Dusty have both had to share a house with me. As I've been researching this, and I'm gonna be honest, I do not envy them. This this has yeah, been I, rough for you guys. So so I it's not a secret. I both live and work with you. Yes. I've heard a lot of. I've tried to tune a lot of it out <laughs> because for my own sanity. Yeah, but yeah. I've heard a lot of side channel chatter about this stuff. Yeah, and. 
look, the fact that he causes you logical lockups just screams to me, don't even try to understand it. Just let oh, it pass. Yeah, just let it wash <laughs> over you. But like, and the other thing is, this is just the first book. The Twelfth Planet. I didn't even try to read the other ones. It is an ill-conceived and poorly arranged affair full of assumptions and poor translations and the hottest of takes. Hot takes before they're even hot takes. But that's, that, you know, that's what we do here at Supernatural Selection. We put ourselves through hell. And what do we do it for? The lulls. Yeah. So, so listening to all this, like for you to rail against something like this, it has to be particularly bad because you are the Fox Mulder of our little organization here. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You, yeah. The, Only the, without the sex addiction, though. I think. I, yeah. No. I, I'm, I'm on so, medication that kind of kills that, so I'm good. So yeah. So between you know David and Kevin, I don't know who the most want to believe is. Oh, that's me. Yeah. So I'm yeah. the middle ground here. Yeah, Dave, ground. David is like our hybrid bastard love child. So, so he's between. All right. So Kevin is the. If there was a true believer of the podcast, it's, it's Kevin. Me. Yeah. And the fact that this, you're just bouncing hard off of this, says something. Yeah. I. It, <laughs> I can't eat. The people I work with are so glad i'm done with this book <laughs> so yeah you you talk their ear off oh you, yeah, you talk to me about it and i'll just pull out my phone and just start scrolling because like it's like yeah whatever i don't envy jacob I, jacob just listened <laughs> I, I i'm just picturing mike in his room and you hear like a bob odenkirk god damn it in the background from the living no, room seriously this this fucking happened like i would put my face <laughs> in my hands and Dusty would be like, you're reading it again, aren't you? I, I will <laughs> admit it took me a second to who you're referring to. Oh, uh, with Dusty? Yes. Yes. Okay. Dusty Page is my fiance. Yeah, I, I, so, I got gathered that after a minute. Yes. Okay. Now, here's the thing. Instead of trying to tackle this book chapter by chapter, because uh, <laughs> it's not in any form of order or logical sense the, the, the chapters don't really help do they no i mean it's kind of like trying to read behold a pale horse where you have to start on chapter 10 then go back to chapter two so so you know in the few writing classes i've taken usually they tell you you know about structure and order i'm, I'm mm -hmm. taking it he didn't really apply that at all uh what he applied is oh and this so, so paragraphs are just willy-nilly. Uh, chapters are willy-nilly, not paragraphs. Though the whole group, the whole book is just willy-nilly. It's just like a dartboard of facts. So you say it's it like a kids in the hall sketch. It is. <laughs> it's oh my god! It's like a Monty Python episode. Yes, and yes, and now. Again, instead of trying to tackle it chapter by chapter, I'm going to try to construct a sort of a timeline that covers this theory from the beginning of the solar system to the dawn of modern civilization. Now, you heard me. Fucking deal with it. It's about okay. That's so, there's our title. So, a span of about 13.3 billion years. Yes. Or, you know... 500 days depending on what he believes in. oh no 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 it's the great thing he believes in like the long time span okay so it gets long 
Now, another thing I need to note before we really get going here uh, that is vitally important uh, to the understanding of his logic, Sitchin finds it extremely important for all of this to either fit with the Bible or to have in some way inspired the Bible. There's a lot of mental gymnastics happening here, so bear that in mind. Bear in mind that this guy does have an agenda. So his logic is very pretzelian. It's very... This is a Jewish fellow that did not give up being Jewish, even though the aliens so, made so us. By, so by Bible, you mean Old Testament, not New Testament. Yes. Um, yeah, but he, he says Bible in the book. Yeah, but, but he does mean the Old Testament. Yeah. Okay. That all right. There is a distinction there. Yes. All right. Now, let's truly get started now that I've laid all that shit down. So, we're going to begin with the beginning of the solar system. And I will begin this the only way you can. In the beginning, <laughs> says Sitchin, there was the sun formed and its accretion disk. I was very proud of him bringing up an accretion disk. Mm -hmm. Now, the first planets formed were Mars, Venus, and Mercury in that order. Where to get this I, information I'm, from? I'm we're going to go over that, actually. <clears throat> All right. You're going you're gonna to love this, Mike. I promise. Okay. After this, another planet formed after Mars in order. That's right. The planet Tiamat, right after Mars uh, and right before where Jupiter would be. Uh, so it's a Godzilla villain. The, the, no. It's the a Final Fantasy summon, isn't Sumer it? Uh, yes, but it's also a Sumerian goddess. So, of course, not Earth. <laughs> now, wh where's Earth? We're going to get to that. Mike, you're going to absolutely fucking love this, I promise. After that were formed Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, and Neptune. Pluto was a moon of Neptune. Yeah, I, I looked it up. Tiamat was also a Godzilla villain. Okay. I wow. You're yeah. like really on about this Godzilla well, I'm thing. I'm just saying I, that's the first thing that popped in my head when he said Tiamat. I was like, that's a Godzilla okay. opponent. All right. That's fair. David, you should have known that one, right? I well, mean, yeah, I, I know, but I also the first thing that popped into my mind was Final Fantasy. Okay, that's also fair. Now, again, Pluto is a moon of Neptune. Didn't count toward the planet count. Or Pluto. Wait, what? Yeah. Now, I do find it interesting that in this, all of this, he never mentions Pluto's moon. Mike, I'm going to ask you, when did they discover Charon? I don't know, but I'm sure it's after Pluto, which was, what, the 1950s? Uh, Pluto was discovered in the 30s because Lovecraft okay. wrote about it. Uh, well, should, well, did they discover Charon after 76? I don't know. Okay. Uh, you know what? Let's just go with yes. Yes, it was, because that way this whole theory completely works. And It is was discovered in 1978. Hell yeah. Thank you, David. Awesome. Okay, so that's why he didn't mention Charon. Great. So, everything in this new solar system was cool and groovy for a while until a passing planet was snared by the sun's gravity. 
way the fuck out there, we gain the planet Nibiru. Oh, shit. Or Marduk. But for the interest of sanity, we're going to stick with Nibiru because Zacharias Sitchin uses both names interchangeably. And let me tell you, there was a lot of backtracking trying to figure out what the fuck he was talking about sometimes. (laughs) He did that a lot with Tiamat, too. He referred to it by like seven or eight different fucking names. Um... Yeah, that's that's kind of a faux pas in uh, writing, isn't it? Yes, yes, you it is. Want to be clear and concise, I not mean, vague. He, and using, he uses Sumerian names, Babylonian names, Akkadian names, just interchangeably, whatever. Now, Nibiru's orbit was erratic because it was being roped in from the outside. So, instead of just staying out in the Oort cloud, it came screaming through the solar system toward the inner planets. Nibiru, more like a Subaru going 90 through a suburban neighborhood. Man, there are so many dead kids outside of the fucking school because of this thing. Just (laughs) bodies flying everywhere. Little Billy, no! Okay, so it's passing causes Pluto to rip away from Neptune and gave it its erratic orbit around the sun, which crosses the orbit of Neptune. You know, because Pluto's got that weird-ass orbit. Now, I can't wait to hear Mike's response to this. Passing by Saturn caused four moons to rip off of Nibiru that would stay with it as it came on through. That checks out. Mm -hmm. Of course. Yeah, no, this is all scientifically viable. Now, Nibiru comes barreling in toward Tiamat without hitting any of the other planets, because mistakes into miracles, I guess? Can you guess where this is going? No. That's right. A moon hit Tiamat and split it into two parts. Wait, what? Yep. And Nibiru looped around the sun again, and then when it came back through, one of its other moons pushed half of Tiamat into a new orbit where it became the Earth, and a second moon of Nibiru became our moon. Then, the third moon of Nibiru hit the remaining half of Tiamat and turned it into the asteroid belt. It's like if Rube Goldberg designed planetary systems. I just heard the breakfast machine from Pee-wee's yeah. Big Adventure playing in the background. Yeah. I I can see Mike over there. And uh Do you remember Chekhov when they put the ear things in him in Wrath of Khan? That's what Mike uh-huh, looks yes. like so, right now. I now, I mean Mike. What? I know you're asking yourself. Kevin, where did Zachariah Sitchin get this information? I mean, that's a lot of detailed information that, you know, Mm -hmm. centuries of astronomical study haven't even come close to formulating. Oh, oh, I know. But Sitchin's readings of all available Babylonian texts, which, of course, he knows how to read because he's one of, like, four people in the world that knows how to read cuneiform and all this shit Mm -hmm. uh, flawlessly. Of course Uh, he does. His readings of all available Babylonian texts lead him to believe that this is all based 
on uh, Sumerian texts and seals, which were told to them by the gods of Sumer. And they detail the battles of the old gods who gave birth to the Sumerian gods. And uh, so the old gods, it's just a metaphor for the formation of the solar system. Now, hey, okay, before we move on, Mike, what else have you got to say? Um, I don't like this Boys of Sumer. Thing. Oh, God. <laughs> it's a hot boy Sumer. Oh. <laughs> I mean, it's a cruel, cruel Sumer. <laughs> I'm glad I got one in there. Sumer loving happened so fast. Oh God! In the Sumer time, uh, we're going to hell for this. I got nothing. Okay. I, I'm just dead. Okay. Do you understand? Now imagine trying to put all this down into some semblance of order after having read this shit, Mike. Kevin, yeah, you know you're not long for this world. I you, want people to understand you, the shit you, I go through you, for you this have, show. You have shortened your lifespan. Oh, I know. I you know. Gonna, you're going to have an aneurysm now, by the age of 53. Well, I know. Well, here's the thing. Sumer doesn't last forever. Oh, shush. Oh, my <laughs> God. Okay, now, again, well, you're probably wondering. Where's the Sumer loving? Who were these Sumerian gods? I'm so glad you asked. Let's nobody. Let's talk about the Nephilim and the Anunnaki. Oh God, that's those that the Anunnaki. I've heard this a lot in the mm-hmm. last month. Oh yeah. So far out in space, a race called the Nephilim lived on the world of Nibiru. They were a long-lived race of beings because one of their years lasted 3,600 of our years. So, naturally, life evolved so you'd live through a full rotation of the sun. That's not how it works at all. No. You know, you know, ev- come on, David. Every living being on Earth, their lifespan is governed by the number of rotations of the Earth around the sun we can do. Like, you know... Everything lives about 60 to 100 rotations of the sun, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Fruit yep. flies. Everything. Fruit flies, roaches. Uh, frogs. Uh, people. A- algae. Yeah. Uh, uh, armpit funk. You know, everything that evolved Horses. on Earth has a set time on Earth that is determined by Unwatered house plants. I'm so irritated right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I feel. This, this uh. is... Like I, I've had, I've had pre-warning and cushioning, to, and it still is doing no good. No, I've have had time to come terms with this. Is batshit stupid? Yeah. So the Nephilim were ruled by the great god Anu, which not really a god; he's an alien, but whatever. The great Anu and his council of twelve main children, the Anunnaki, which I am convinced is. Anu, Naki, probably like the uh, children, of An- uh, children of Anu or something. I don't know. I'm not an expert. So, much of the Sumerian theology involves their genealogy and personal dramas. So, a lot of their comings and goings were mapped out and detailed. And they really resemble the Greek, the Greek pantheon in more ways than you can count. In fact, Sitchin actually says that the Sumerian gods are the basis of all theology. All so it's the Eternals from Marvel Studios. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. 
And that's why he says there's always like 12 main gods. I'm like, you didn't count well. So, this is... Uh, yeah. Now, on their various loops through the solar system, the Anunnaki had the chance to study the planets as they passed by. And they had determined that Earth was the most hospitable to life and just full of resources, specifically gold. And this is, yeah, yeah, this is important. I'm Why gonna, is it always gold? I'm going to give you a chance. Gold. I'm going to give you a chance later to talk about this, Mike. Now, the gold is specifically important because of what's about to happen to Nibiru. It sounds to me like they would be the types to write about the gold standard in the 1970s. I swear to God, these guys... They'd have a newsletter? Uh-huh, yep. Audio newsletter. They're they're complaining about the uh, uh, Centauri robotoids. Or Knox is running out of gold. <laughs> I love gold. Gold. All right, so... <clears throat> About 450,000 years ago, in the outer reaches of the solar system, something happened to damage Nibiru's atmosphere. <laughs> now, do you know what that disaster was? Farts. I have no idea because I'm not paying 20 bucks for another one of these fucking e-books. Just it was Taco Tuesday and just the farts killed yeah, it off. Sure, why not? Maybe it, it was a baseball situation. Maybe. Maybe there was Perrier. I don't know. I just know uh, it took me two years to read this fucking book and I'm not paying 20 bucks for another one that's going to take me another two years. So, But, but the clicks, Kevin. The oh, clicks. God damn it, Mike. I don't content, care about the man, premium content. God damn it. Don't make me do this. <laughs> now you, you could just read it as Patreon episodes. Just read a chapter. You know, that's not a bad idea. <laughs> now, what I can tell you is that this disaster was going to be completely fatal to the planet Nibiru, and there was only one solution. Gold. Gold. Gold had to be found in massive quantities, ground into a powder and released into the, into the atmosphere of Nibiru to save all life on the planet. Okay. And so, so what, wait, wait, they gold schlagered the planet? They, <laughs> yes, that's the plan. They're going to gold schlager it. And what's the best place in the solar system to find gold? Yeah. The asteroids. Yeah, Earth. Oh, wait, what? Earth. Now, Mike, what mm -hmm. might cause them to need gold in their atmosphere? And please tell everyone how rare gold is in space and how they'd have to come to Earth to find so, gold. So gold has some pretty interesting properties. Not to sh sell short gold. Right. Gold is probably the most stable element in the universe. Okay. It reacts with almost nothing. Mm -hmm. It takes a very specific formulation of acids to even dissolve gold. Now, it does conduct uh, electricity It conducts well, electricity very well. It blocks but, radiation, but right? It, yeah. I mean, yes, cause just because this molecular density is really right, high. Right, right. But gold doesn't react with jack shit. I okay. mean, that's one of its properties. That's why it doesn't, that's why it's so lustrous and doesn't tarnish, is because it doesn't oxidize. It doesn't, you know, you could put just about anything on it and it's not going to react. So, so you're saying. So sprinkling gold into your atmosphere will block radiation. Well, I mean, it would, but it wouldn't, like, clean the atmosphere because it's not right. a catalyst. It doesn't react with anything. 
So what you're telling me is that it's the gold standard then? Yes. God. Ooh. But uh. So 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 wanting just like like yes, you could build a shield of gold out, you know, to protect you from radiation, but. The fact that they said something, they said something is wrong with their atmosphere, and they needed gold to fix it. Mm-hmm. Leads me, lets me think that the gold would have to react with something, which is nothing. Which, yeah, I mean, unless their atmosphere is saturated with aqua regia, it's not going to do anything. <laughs> okay, this just sounds like a bad arc in a Thor comic. <laughs> it's just, it always comes back to like. Them wanting, you know, the aliens wanting gold for nebulous yeah. reasons. Now, and also, now, you asked, you know, yeah. is Earth the best place to find gold? Absolutely not. Right. Earth, most of the gold. So, Earth does have a lot of gold, like right, way more right, gold right, right. than, you know, if we could ever unlock all the gold in Earth, it would, like, make gold the least valuable thing ever right but most of it is locked away in the mantle mm-hmm. so we're not getting to that which is that soon. is and that is below the crust yes right it's basically Upper mantle right you know it it's mixed in with all the fucking lava down there okay awesome so they decided to take the most uh yeah so 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 they came here to like what just enslave and get all the surface gold enslave what there's no life Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, come down here and get all our, you know, just surface level gold. Sure. When there's, you know, probably now, asteroids he d- just. He, he does actually mention that uh, some of the Anunnaki, like, were panning for gold in rivers. And I just picture them watching that gold fever, fever show my dad used to watch. An Anunnaki claim jumper? Yes, exactly. They're all 49ers. <laughs> So, so do you know how most gold is obtained nowadays? Dynamite? No. So, pretty much all of the science corner know, kids flakes, you know, like actual big bits of gold that can be found have been found on Earth. Right. I yes. mean, we're not even talking about like mines of gold. What they're doing now is digging up dirt that is higher than average gold bearing. Laying it in large leach fields and dripping acid on it, the aqua regia acid on it, to dissolve the gold out of the soil or the you know mineral bearing rocks, and then they take that liquid and refine it. Okay. So we're not even talking about like gold nuggets anymore. We're talking okay. about you know Flakes. higher than the average of gold you know in rocks. They okay. crush the rocks up first, of course. Okay, let me tell you why we're doing that because the Anunnaki got all of the good stuff. So, oh, so so just like giant, you know, boulders of gold oh, around before they prob- got here. Probably so. Oh, it, was, it was like a fucking Scrooge McDuck comic. So, oh, cool. As Nibiru once again neared Earth, Anu sent his children, led by his son Inki, to Earth. The clown. Inki, Inki or Inkai, I don't know, but I say Inki, and yes, Inki the clown. Very funny. I, I, I know. I'm gonna the guy. say I'm gonna say Inki as well because uh, uh, it reminds me of that uh, Inkidu, the, the deity Inkidu yes, or Inkidu. Yeah, he actually mentions Inkidu uh, 
in the book somewhere. Yeah, he's just borrowing from all sorts of mythology here at this point. Dude, he he fucking like leans on the Epic of Gilgamesh so hard they're gonna have to reinforce it. Like a two? The Mario Brothers villain? No. (laughs) My god. So anyway, he sends his son Inki to Earth to begin his mining operations. Not just for gold, of course. They're going to also need raw materials to build the facilities they'll need to mine the gold and rocket fuel. Vast, vast just oil fields just with it up on the surface. Okay. So, now this expedition would leave about a hundred of the Anunnaki uh, on an orbiting platform would and would send nearly 600 to the surface. Now, this first group, led by Inky, would splash down in the Indian Ocean. Hey, hey. Yeah? Where's the orbiting platform, Zachariah? Uh, actually, it went back home. He actually he actually wrote that? Yeah, yeah he actually I, covers it. Uh, when we leave. Excuse. Oh, I know. Now, this, this is important. Once making landfall... Command of the Earth mission was handed over from Inky to Enlil, or Enlil, Inky's brother. Now, this would drive a wedge between them for all time. Inky would be given a lesser but still important command over the oceans that would fuel jealousy in him for the rest of their near-immortal lives. No, Inky's the Frito? What? What? Is he the Frito, uh, you know, Corleone? Yes. Yes. You've seen The Godfather, yes? Uh, it's been a very valid... Honestly, oh. I haven't seen it since I was a child. Oh, no! Yeah, okay, I had well, my, my, my reference landed with a wet fart. Well, so. that's okay. Somebody out there got it. And that's the important thing. Go. Someone got it. <laughs> so, the first order of business, of course, was establishing cities slash command bases. Now, these included a spaceport for their their 1960s-style three-stage rockets, a medical center, communication center, and bases for processing ore and building machines and tools. Now, these would be the original cities of mankind, like the city of Ur. Now, you're probably wondering again where all this information comes from. Yeah. Fortunately. One of the things... Sitchin cites his sources. Oh, boy. It's his opinion that most of the cuneiform tablets we have have been mistranslated by the most learned men who have ever lived. But mm-hmm. that's okay, because he's here to explain the situation. So, also, let me get this straight. Mm-hmm. All this infrastructure they had, uh-huh. they didn't you know, misplace a single bit of it. We're going to go into that. <laughs> We're going to go into where that shit is now. Okay. Okay, trust me. That's We're going to get there. And Sitchin's going to explain the situation. The situation, as we call it around here. Sure. Now, let's talk about a word that really stuck with me when I read this book. Let's take the word shim. All right. Shim in uh, most... Uh, text is typically translated as name or renown. Now this honestly and realistically might not be correct. 
Uh, it more accurately translates uh, in most instant instances as something along the lines of a connection between the earth and the heavens. Now, the most famous example of this is the story of the Tower of Babel. Uh, the text in the Bible says, let us make first, build for ourselves a name, where the word Shem is used in the original text. Now, it will more closely translate to, let us make for ourselves a temple or a connection to heaven that will reach the sky. Now, another is the giants of the Old Testament, and it's saying that they were men of Shem, translated to men of renown here. In this case, it will probably more accurately translate to men who had the power or a connection to the heavens. Now, even Gilgamesh says, let me raise my name, which in the text is Shem. This probably means let me travel to the heavens because he's trying to find uh, his ancestor, uh, who we will talk about later. Uh and also, he was a demigod, so, you know, he had the mm. right. Now, I'm not an expert, so don't quote me on any of this stuff. It's as accurate as I could get. Now, I wonder what Zachariah Sitchin's thoughts were, were on uh, Ed Nasir. I, you know, I'm sure the gold was quality, but what of his copper? Ah, uh, yes. Now, if I'm not mistaken, this is one of the earliest things we found. It was a man, com- it was basically a Yelp review. Yes, yes, I yes. love that thing so much. Yes, it was a Yelp review of someone's the quality of someone's copper written in cuneiform. <laughs> One of the first things we ever discovered is like, wow, people been bitching a long time. So, no, it, it turns out it was a missive of the gods that said, you know, some other shit. We don't yeah. Know. Now, Sitchin has a much more. Um, interesting interpretation of the word shim. It means a thing that you wedge between other things. If you put a P on the end, it's one of the three stooges. But if it's a connection to heaven, then it's a connection to Nibiru, which obviously means a rocket ship, like straight-up Apollo rocket ship. He believes that the story of the Tower of Babel was actually about humanity building a rocket in ancient Mesopotamia and the Anunnaki punishing them. So anyway, all this is to just say that where the ancient text talks about the Anunnaki building temples, what it's actually meaning is building rockets at the spaceport. So, so the rocket ship stuff absolutely kills me because it's such a weird hill to die on technologically. <laughs> like, if you're trying to attribute a higher intelligence, like, it's weird that a higher intelligence must fundamentally resemble humanity down to our technology. It's just astounding to me. It, yeah. I mean... Like, you couldn't even go Star Trek with that shit and uh-uh. think ahead. It was no, just no literally starships. just like, mm-hmm. what did they launch last week? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, at least UFOs, you know, have the whole zip, 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 weird kind of yeah anti-gravity thing going. Mm-hmm. But rocket ships, that, oh, that, no. that you know, entails like a, a not insignificant amount of you know chemicals, mm-hmm. depending on you know what their fuel is, and you know, it also says advanced metallurgy, which you can't make a star, you can't make a rocket out of stone. Yeah. 
it. Well, unless you're talking about you know Project Orion and you know nuclear pulse thrust, they could on the nope. they could on the Flintstones. No, nope. what they were talking about. Wait, David. <laughs> David, I think there was a space shuttle episode of the Flintstones what or something. What the fuck? <laughs> I love Flintstones technology. That's this, a living. The- I'm sorry, this it really this whole sticking with sixties technology thing reminds me of in Scientology where the ships that Xenu put the souls in and crashed them into the volcano look like seven forty sevens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's get to humanity, all right? Because we haven't talked about humanity yet, have we? Not really. No. no. What about us? Okay. So we're all human here, right? Sure. Sure we are. So, once established, the Anunnaki began genetic experiments in bringing forth plants that they could use for food and what have you. <laughs> like wheat and shit like that. And some of it was just like, you know, oh, we're going to farm it. They also fuck. Like, a lot. I mean, like, most of the stories about the soap proper that is the royal family of 12 and how they're all fucking... Say what you will about the ancients, but we have not changed that much as a species, all right? Sounds like one of their plants was horny goat weed. Uh, yes. (laughs) And, again, they're all related. But they're fucking. (laughs) You know. How Greek. Yes, very much so. So, things are going swimmingly for a long time until the worker cast of Anunnaki, which Sitchin calls, I love this, the rank-and-file gods, which is just like, what the fuck, man? Anyway, up until these guys revolted, they'd had more than enough of their backbreaking labor in the dangerous gold mines. So they surrounded Enlil's house in the swamps and decided it was time for war, a war for freedom. Why would an alien god live in a swamp? He thought it was cool. I'm not joking. He just really liked the swamp. So he was emo. He was so... I just... The bad thing is, he said he lived in the swamp. I just picture, like, you know, the great god Kermit the Frog building a giant fucking stone temple in the middle of a swamp, and then, like, all the fozzy bear workers revolting. Could be Shrek and Donkey. Oh, that'd be hilarious. Get out of my swamp! So, (laughs) things have gotten so bad with this war situation that Big Daddy Anu has to come down to Earth. And he's not happy because he woke, got woken up from his nap. Oh, you're goddamn right. He was so, But he was so moved by the plight of the rank-and-file gods, he had Enlil go out and meet with the leaders. And even Enlil, once he heard their story, was moved to help them. So what did he do? Now, the Anunnaki had seen these monkey guys running around, right? Mm-hmm. What we call Homo erectus. And they decided to combine their godly genes with those of the natives. Apparently, they used in vitro fertilization and brought to term, and it was the first one was brought to term in Enlil's wife, Ninlil. She gave birth to the first human, the first. Homo sapien, and this first being was called the Adama. 
needless to say, Sitchin loses his shit here over proof that the Bible was right and based on ancient Sumerian texts. He says the Adama was shortened to the Adam and then just Adam. Because of course he does. He's the one making this shit up. Right. Now, now, here's my question. Like okay. the impression that I got from all of this was that the the Anunnaki created the life on Earth. So how were their Homo erectus moving around? Well, you got to understand there were Homo erectus running around because they had made life, and then the uh, Homo erectus were running around out there. And so, like, so it's just like a happy little accident. Then. Yeah, it's one of those things where it's like, well, we made life, and then we let it do whatever. I, I think he's just making this up. I don't know. That's uh, what my gut's telling me. I don't know, man. I don't know. I'm starting to become a. Li- I can't say that with a straight face. I, I mean, Adama, Adam, a Colonel Adama on Battlestar Galactica, well, actually, and all that. Actually, that is where he got this from. God damn it! <laughs> uh, let's not forget that he based Battlestar that uh, Glenn Larson based Battlestar Galactica on the ancient astronauts theory. Well, not so the Mormon faith. And Mormons, yes. Because yes. he was Mormon. It's All a right. weird fucking show, but I love it. It Yes, absolutely. So, <laughs> this is also where Sitchin points out that let us make man in our own image and he will become like us are from them editing down a full pantheon of gods into one god. And don't get me started on his Bible quotes either. He goes on and on replacing God with the deity's name with rocket ship and just shoving sci-fi terms into the Bible there willy-nilly. Who is they when he talks about that they edit it down? Oh, you know, uh, the the Jews. The the Cobol. Oh, no. The the Cobol. It's it's the Jews, but not in a bad way, not in an anti-Semitic way. He is Jewish. So, so Kevin, the burning bush was antimatter? Um, fuck it. Why not? Sure, <laughs> let's go with that. No, no, no. It's him. It's probably the bush was on fire from a rocket ship, and there was a god hiding behind it. Oh, okay. Yeah, makes sense. Okay, so I'm I'm not gonna lie. There is something about the idea of us being made from like divine alien DNA that's sort of poetic and fitting to me. But this is incredibly stupid. I mean, it's it's kind of better than just you know monk dumb monkeys that became less dumb monkeys. Sure. Yeah, I mean, it's a common pop uh, culture thing. It's fun. Like you have that with uh, like fuck even the Eternals with them being created by the Celestials yeah. and all that. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. So at this point, man is being mass produced. And yeah, we are. They're ma- basically. They're, oh, that's terrible. So they're basically recreating uh, the Adama's uh, genes and putting them into various birth goddesses. And then, as they're spit out of these birth goddesses, which are just surrogate mothers, uh, they're put right to work in the fucking mines. Is that how you get a Jesus? Uh, no. I don't think. He never gets to Jesus because he's Jewish. Fair enough. But that's not how this ends, though. Oh, no. We could end with humanity, but no. We're not going to end there. We haven't gotten to Noah yet. All right. So, again, let's talk about the Great Flood. And things are going swimmingly until one of these early humans figures out that if you put 
your pee-pee in a down there, it's fun, and eventually makes a tiny person. And that's when all hell breaks loose, because holy shit, do we love to fuck. Now, now I expect to be paid if you're going to start using the words pee-pee and down there in this podcast from here on out. <laughs> I, I can pay you in... Uh, in thank dollars. What, what, what about uh, exposure? I'm going to pay him an exposure. Oh, he's already being paid in exposure. <laughs> yeah, exposing pee-pee. Yeah. Uh, hey. Hey. So this is where Sitchin equates her discovery of Zug Zug to Adam and Eve eating the apple in the Garden of Eden. Mm. The apple represents our loss of innocence and, in the biblical sense, hardcore. So... Yeah, he, he makes a lot of uh, comparisons between we learn to fuck. Now, it's at this point that Enlil starts getting pissed. And I'm not talking about because humans are fucking in general, because, you know, him and the Anunnaki are just horny as hell all the time. It's because we start fucking animals. Wait, what? Yeah. See, this seems to be a recurring theme in a lot of esoteric Fall of Man stories. A lot of your uh, stories like Atlantis and Lemuria, uh, depending on who you're trying to sell, who's trying to sell you crystals. Uh, Lemuria or Atlantis uh, fell once humans started screwing around literally with dinosaurs. You can find plenty of examples of that today on DeviantArt.com. God damn <laughs> Dinosaurs? Oh, oh yeah, no. Like, esoteric stuff, they like, say that, yeah. Like a freaking, you know, T-Rex? No, I, no, I'm no. not going to try to fuck a T-Rex. No, I want you, you to picture, me. basically, Atlantean screwing, uh, like... Velociraptors. Diplodocus. Oh, man. Yeah. Ankylosaurus? Yeah. Not not like dinosaurs. Nope. Nope. Stegosauri. Just, just look out for the Thagomizer. I mean, at, at that point, I'm like looking at that and going, well, maybe the Welsh have it right and just shag a sheep. Uh, it'd, it'd be, be safer. Less, yeah, it'd be way safer. Way safer than fucking a dinosaur for sure. Now, Fuck. we do. If you're a Welsh listener, we apologize for that. <laughs> and also, we do not condone the fucking of animals, all right? We're just going to say that. Don't. Fuck the animal. Unless they're asking for it. Dude! <laughs> you gotta get us in Whatever you do, don't go to e621.com. Shut up! Don't tell them about that! <laughs> oh my god, dude! You're gonna get us killed! Somebody's parents are gonna find him doing that, and then we're fucked. Now, while Enlil is enraged by this and sees it as humanity rejecting its divine origin in favor of its animal instincts... What really upsets him is just how loud we fuck. So, wait. So, it's not that we are fucking dinosaurs. It's just that we're noisy about it. Well, it's that we're fucking animals and rejecting our divine nature, but it's also that we're doing it so loudly. It's both, but it's really the loudness. So, so it's like when, uh, it's like when your roommate I mean, I'm, I'm pulling from way past experience. Uh-huh. Is not only like, you know, being a jerk, 
also when they're you know bringing home their slam piece and just fucking like really loud like so loud i have to put headphones on <laughs> did you just refer to the person i think you're referring to as a slam piece no this like i said this is from like before we lived together i i know who you're talking about i know who you're talking about at the house on uh no no is the apartment oh never mind okay yeah if you're trying to listen to Sarah, or to watch Skinamax without your parents knowing. <laughs> so 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 it's like when the roommate doesn't do dishes and then they're also like doing some other shit to piss you. So it's just a combination of things. Yeah, yeah. But then the it's the loud fucking that really did it. That, that's the straw now, that broke the Anunnaki's back. Yes. And in the ancient texts even it talks about how loud we were while screwing anything not nailed down and how Enlil couldn't sleep because of our noisy lovemaking. And, you know, in all fairness, I could see getting pissed about losing sleep because a guy next door just won't stop fucking a donkey. Well, well, you live in Mississippi, so that sounds like it could be one of your neighbors. Like I, it was a chicken. Like I said, you know, they just just when when it sounds like he's murdering the lady friend he brought home. God damn it! It's it's not a good time, and I didn't have internet, so I didn't or cable, so I just had to put on headphones and like listen to music. I just picture you sitting in bed uh, in a fetal position, rocking back and forth. Oh, oh. gray Mary, just ain't what you used oh, to no. be. Oh no, I wasn't in bed. It was like ten a.m. What the? F- yeah. D- what? D- Never mind. <laughs> so, all right. Damn. As yeah. It, yeah. As it happens, Nibiru is on approach again, and its closeness this time is going to cause a calamity that could cause global flooding and wipe out all life on Earth. Now, Enlil doesn't so much to dis- decide to destroy humanity so much as uh, just let nature do its He'd, thing. So he just he just stopped giving a shit. Mm-hmm. He, he had a lot he, going on. He did. He decided, you know, to just let whatever's happening happen. Much Yeah. Much like capitalism now, and global warming. Now, its approach has already caused a massive drought, and the population of humans is starving. So, you want water, he thinks? Fine, I'll give you fucking water. Meanwhile, they plan to launch back into space and wait out the flood. And then come back down when everything dries out. Sounds like our future when uh, Musk and Bezos get on their little rocket ship and wait for the climate catastrophe um, and yeah, we'll come be- back later. Yep, pretty much. Now, the only one of the Anunnaki that disagrees with this is Enki. Partly because he's grown to care for humanity and sees our potential. Partly. He likes the donkey pussy. No. <laughs> God damn. Fuck. Partly because he knows they need us but mostly as a big middle finger to Enlil for getting the shaft 400,000 years ago. So, so he's kind of like one of those dads who's like, we're not getting a dog, and then adopts a dog, and they become best friends? Exactly. Now, at the grand meeting of the gods about this, Enlil has all of the Anunnaki vow not to tell any humans about the coming flood. So they'll just be chilling out and then die. Enki makes this vow with the others. Now, what Enki does not do 
is vowed not to talk to a wall about it where his high priest Unapishtim can hear it. He also didn't vow to not tell that wall to make a giant fucking boat and fill it with enough life to start everything over again. Paul. <laughs> so, after hearing this, Unapishtim takes this information and starts building an ark. Now, uh, the locals in town are a little suspicious that he's building a giant boat. And they're like, what are you doing? And he tells them that since he works for Enki, if he leaves, then the great god Enlil will bring the water back. And technically, he's not lying. What's he building in there? <laughs> it's a fucking Tom Waits song. So the locals think this is a great idea and actually start helping him to build this thing. Now, see, if I had a neighbor who just started building a fucking Titanic in their backyard, I would be a little concerned as well. I'd be like, what does he know? Yeah. yeah. He, I mean, he, he knows something I obviously don't know. Exactly. But he had an excuse. So he built the boat gets built, animals and plants are loaded, and then Una pitched them brings all the people that helped him build the boat along with his family into the boat. Which I think is a really cool thing he does as opposed to the version of this with Noah in the Bible where it's like, I fuck all of y'all. So, he was told, wait for a sign when there's a bright light to the west and, and, and a loud noise. So, when he sees the Anunnaki launch their rockets from the spaceport, he goes into the Ark and shuts the door. Now, from here, it is exactly the same as the story of Noah and the Ark. I mean, right down to him coming out and making a burnt offering to the gods. And I mean, like, he even uses the same birds to send out to find land. They even land on Mount Ararat. And then the problem begins anew. Of course it does. <laughs> but this, again, is interesting to me. I think we should do an episode about the Great Flood uh, around the world. Because mm. I think that would be a great thing to cover. Because every culture's got it. Mm -hmm. Chinese, Native Americans, the, everybody. So, now, while all this is going on, things are not going well on the rocket ships. Mike, you're going to love this. The Anunnaki have run out of food, and they aren't bathing. The whole fucking place smells like a boiled football. That does sound rough. Uh-huh. Well, why do you think he would like this? I just, you know, because the gods fucking ran out of food, quit bathing, and they're all sitting there. And they must be crazy. Uh, yes. <laughs> God damn. And then they throw a Coke bottle out. And... Oh, God. So... Worst of all with this is some of the gods are really starting to miss their home of the last 400,000 years and their servants. Now, the goddess Ishtar in particular laments the loss of their luxuries. Now, once the ship lands, which I don't know why it lands and doesn't splash down like it did before, but, you know, whatever, they find that Unapishtim has saved the world and is doing a barbecue in their honor. You know, the big burnt offering? 
They're saying it wasn't a burnt offering. He was cooking food for them when they landed. And they're all ecstatic about this, except for Enlil. And at this point, I'm not going to lie, Enlil kind of reminds me of Pharaoh in the Bible with his hard-headedness and unwillingness to back down. Like, I, I do appreciate that these gods are so petty. Like, I think Sitchin does a good job here painting them as similar to, like, gods in our historical records, such as the Greek pantheon and that sort of thing. Yeah, same here. And I think a big part of that is because so many of the ancient pantheons, the gods are really just, like, immortal humans with the same drives mm-hmm. and everything. Mm-hmm. All right, so Enlil is just straight up like, Kill that motherfucker! <laughs> and Enki talks to him and it's like look look at this man that stayed true to us and he managed to figure out there's a flood coming with no help from me at all (laughs) truly the best of mankind is here and we can start again and Enlil thinks about it and he's hungry and he relents and realizes that yeah you know what this guy's cool This is a good boat. I like this boat. He's so cool, in fact, that Enlil decides that when he leaves Earth for the last time, he's going to take Unapishtim with him, help him become immortal, and let him live his life in the courts of Anu on Nibiru. Now, After the world has dried out, all of the original cities have been destroyed, so they are rebuilt according to the original plans with instructions left by the Anunnaki that if the the cities are destroyed, you will rebuild them according to the original plans using whatever materials you have in case we come back. Now, to make things easier when dealing with humans, the Anunnaki appoint rulers over the people of Earth. They give them the divine right to rule. The first kings are selected to carry out the commands of their gods and given the symbols of leadership we still know today. The crown, the scepter, and the throne. Oh, they stuck us with the global elite. Yes, the lizard people. Technically, that is like a whole other conspiracy theory that's been tied into this, and maybe I'll go into that when I do a lizard people episode. (laughs) But... They pass on the concepts of civilization and morality to their uh, their children species. They teach them farming and animal domestication. They teach them science, math, and astronomy. Astronomy in particular, so that they can know where Nibiru is at any given time and when it will come again. Now, after the Anunnaki's mission is complete and they've, they have enough gold to save their atmosphere, they leave Earth. With the kings they appointed to guide humanity in their ways, still here. And that leaves us here. Now. And apparently Nibiru is a few hundred years out from its next visit, so that's exciting! Can't wait. I know, Mike, are you excited? Sure, why wouldn't I be? Uh, yeah! Now, the last thing I'm going to say about this book, and Zechariah Sitchin in general, is this. This first book, The Twelfth Planet, ends asking a question. It's a good question. And it's one that in no way gets answered at any point in the book or future books at all. 
Mm. It lays there like a cold, dead fish slammed on a cutting board and left there by a chef who realized he doesn't know how to cook fish. And that's a damn shame because this is the sequel I would have read. If the Anunnaki made us, then who made the Anunnaki? We did. It, it. <laughs> it's all technically, circular. yeah. <laughs> this is like the literary equivalent of the title card that reads the end, and then a question mark fades in. It's like the end of fucking Masters of the Universe. Uh, the movie when Frank Langella Skeletor pops out of the water and goes, I'll be back. And they never were. So that's it. That's the Anunnaki. That's Zachariah Sitchin. This and episode had everything. It, specifically sex with animals. It <laughs> did have sex with animals. So that's... Oh, God, man. That, I cannot tell you how glad I am to be fucking done with this. It, it probably clears a lot off your slate. I like seriously. I, I'm. I feel like a weight's been lifted off my mind and body now that we've finally done the episode. It's, it's like when you take a that that big old shit you've been holding for a while. <laughs> it just hasn't come out. Yeah. And finally, you cleanse yourself of it. And yeah. You feel like twenty pounds lighter. Yeah, but you're also worn out because it feels well, like yeah. a fist you're, punching you're, its way out of your you're, asshole you're from the sweaty, inside. You're gross. You have to take a shower. Yeah, gentlemen, no. gentlemen, this is disgusting. Let's go back to talking about sex with animals. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Let's talk about don- donkey fucking. What? No uh, dino fucking. Add that to, you know we need to do Atlantis and Lemuria. We need to do a Lost Continents episode. By do Atlantis, you mean? dinosaurs and fucking and fucking oh god i'm just glad it's over and i i did so much fucking research on this and i hope it shows yeah you did a great job that was a lot of words thank you a lot of very uh what would you call that word salad psyche damaging words i i'm not the same man that started that sanity dinging and destroying. Yeah. Yeah. How about you, Mike? Are you a believer now? I'm a believer in that. That was a lot of stuff that <laughs> I'm glad I don't have to hear again. I'm glad I don't have to read it or talk about it. So part two will be up. <laughs> Fuck you. Fuck you. There is no part two. So uh, that being said, we've got some questions, guys questions we've got questions from the listeners you guys want to go over some questions might as go well for it. what All else right. are we gonna do yeah other than live normal lives so fuck that yeah all right first question from ghost forge how much about the ancient gods do you think was just aliens doing a sex tourism vacation i mean all I, of I, it yeah i mean i I'm can go see all it. of it I mean, you know, we, you know, white people in general have, you know, been guilty of that. So I can't see why aliens wouldn't also, you know, I yeah. mean, if, if aliens were real, I mean, sure. obviously that's well, predicated. Okay. On that. If, if spacefaring aliens in our ancient past were real. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously they would, you know, come down and shag us because, you know, we're dumb, you know, peasants that don't know any better. We're and soft would, and would, pink and, and squishy. We would, and we would do it. I mean, they'd have to, like, bathe us because, you know, we sure. smelled. Yeah, get the man stink off of us. 
But, you know, otherwise we'd do anything for a shiny rock. Pretty much. David, how about you? I just think Zizmar would be upset I don't have two cloacas. Oh, man. Zizmar. Yeah, it depends on physiology, I guess. Well, also, it also, I kind of feel like it depends on if Zizmar is paying me. I could pretend I've got a couple of cloacas. You know, shiny rocks. Oh, baby, I'll have all the cloacas you need. (laughs) Baby, you just don't know. And, you know, just, you know, fake the extra cloacas. (laughs) (laughs) Just, just. Strap a couple of uh, of uh, female based marilades to your bottom. See, we call this cloaca the belly button. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Use your smaller proboscis on that one. So we got a question from Dusty, which uh, relates to the very beginning of the episode. Actually, I want each host's opinion on how come every ancient aliens theory is inherently racist and anti-Semitic. Bonus for any ideas on how to reduce racism in ufology. So, I think all these, like, theories, suppositions, fairy tales, whatever you want to call them, uh-huh. they're, they're inherently rooted in the author's biases. So, if they hold certain biases... Well, yeah, they're. It's obviously going to come through. I mean, it's yeah. just their worldview. Okay, that's so, fair. And as far as reducing it, eh. I feel like the way to reduce it would be to get more people of different ethnicities involved. Yeah, that's where I'm at with that one. Because, and seriously, you watch an ancient aliens or any documentary. How many African Americans do you see? So it's always a white dude. I don't know. Conspiracy theories in general seem like a very honky pursuit. <laughs> I mean, in general, it just seems to be the white dudes, you know, have to come up with some shit. Oh God! Now I want to show on the History Channel called the Honky Truth. <laughs> just honky science. Honky science. Um, I mean, it's little white guys, and they're whiter than us. I mean, here, here. I, I guess the problem is that you know we have to invent our own boogeyman. I guess. I mean, in in many ways, you know, even in not even you know, just uh, conspiracy 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 theories. You know, we we do that in general. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I I, I, I think there's. I, f- I just feel like it. it I also feel I have like no, I have no answers, but I just feel like that is a thing we do. I feel like the entire uh, field of study in ufology and uh, the paranormal is inherently full of gatekeepers. Well, that too. And we need to stop that. Well, we, you know, they, they, they create their own little domains and they have to mm-hmm. guard them. Yep. I hate that. From, the problem you know, is, is that you need like a legitimate organization that has rigorous academic backing and that's not going to happen anytime soon. <laughs> Are you talking about NIDS? Cause that worked out so well. Uh, fucking, uh, uh, fucking Bigelow. Anyway, so that's, that's our view on that one. Sam, uh, has a question. Sure. Uh, let's see. What cryptids would like board games, and what would be each of their favorites? 
Um, I think I think Sasquatch is a giant nerd, so he would like Catan. Uh, yeah, yeah. Actually, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, the Greys love Monopoly. Mm, I think Operation. No, well, okay, yeah, no, yeah, you, you got yeah, that one. Okay, well, who <laughs> that's likes, exactly it. Who likes Monopoly? Um, no one. No. The Anunnaki. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's fair. Well, they're not cryptids, are they? Well, no, but you know, I'll, I'll give it a pass. We'll say the Anunnaki like Monopoly. And then probably the Kentucky Goblins are super into Uno because they just like to collect the cards. You know, you know that one version of Uno where it's got the uh, card spitter thing? You know, it's got like the rotating thing that auto deals. Have you seen that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I just pictured the goblins with that just shooting each other with cards and giggling. They're like our gremlins. Yes, I know. I love them. I love those guys. Oh, uh, let's see here. Uh, Man in Black asks, speaking of, hello, Eric, good to see you. Man in Black says, what do you guys feel about the newer cryptids like Slenderman and Siren Head? I mean, they're calling them cryptids is kind of a stretch because they're just, you know, obviously made up. I know, but, you know, there are people saying they saw them and technically that's all cryptids. Not all cryptids, but like, you know, a lot of the cryptids we talk about are kind of made up. But, I mean, like, they're tulpas when you get down to it. I just, I'm with you, though. So, so traditional cryptids have a lot of, like, I mean, they're they're legends that became myth. But new cryptid, quote-unquote cryptids, are, have provenance. And, you know, our, our technology, unfortunately, codifies their origin so you can't say sure oh they are just something that you know became real became well not even became real but became you know their so their origins are so old we can't sus mm-hmm. you know fact from fiction yeah i mean there yeah, is, I, I think in time i think in time like a slender man I, let's say like maybe a couple generations from now slender man's gonna be a uh, i don't know because because the 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 origin is still there. It's like saying, you know, it's gonna the take, creature from the Black Lagoon becomes a cryptid. It's going to take, like, a, a collapse of society well, yeah, I mean, and loss to, of the origins. Well, we'd need like, a unless you believe in, like, tulpas and that sort of thing, then there's a there's a chance that, like, a Slender Man can become a reality well, through the collective will and of belief. And that's something Man in Black brought up. Uh, he said he couldn't remember the word, but it's like Freddy and... Uh, uh, Wes Craven's new nightmare. Look, look, look. All I can say is if Tulpas were real, I'd have an anime waifu by now. Oh, God. I don't want to <laughs> go there, man. Terrifying. Here's the thing, though, about Slender Man. It is really hard for me to cut it any kind of slack since I was participating in the thread they made him yeah, up no. in. I was I there. Was th- we were there, Ground literally zero. there for the birth of Slender Man. So yeah, it's really hard for me to take it seriously. I'm just, I'm just sad nobody brings up the spider kittens. Oh, the spider kittens were good. It's just these cat heads with spider legs on them. They, they came from the same thread as Slender Man. Yes. They never got traction that no. Slender Man did. And they were creepier, honestly. Yeah. Because it's like these little cat heads with spider legs, like, barely visible in the trees. It was creepy as fuck. So. 
if you hear my cat, my cat also wants to be on the podcast. She's just kind of hanging out over here, purring at me. Oh, yeah. that's fine. You know, we're, yeah. we're a very cat-friendly podcast. The all-cat podcast. Now, Kick Acetron has a question uh, in relation to the tulpa thing. Mm-hmm. Are all tulpas derived from the same being taking different forms depending on a culture's beliefs? Can you imagine if it was just one really hard-working tulpa? Oh, God. <laughs> one minute he's getting banged raw-dogged, and then, like, <laughs> the next minute he's some kid's imaginary friend just smoking a cigarette, like, I don't want to do this today. <laughs> and, then, and then, like, you know, what immediately if, what if, jumps over and has to be Bigfoot. What if he's just, like, late? <laughs> he, like, you know, gets mixed up and doesn't show up for the right thing as the right thing? That's why Bigfoot's blurry, because he's running so fast. Oh, but seriously, um, this is this is kind of like the whole passport to Mangonia superstructure thing that we're seeing the same entities over and over again, but they're wearing a different mask depending on the culture and how we uh, can interpret them. I think that would be a very like tolerant and benevolent being to be just you know running around doing that all the time. Yeah, but we're talking about, like, you know, something bleeding over that has, like, a vested interest in participating in this, like, being a part of the phenomenon. And the question is, uh, if it's doing this and it takes on these forms, what is it getting out of us? Um, Well, considering 99.9% of it is sexual, it must be a succubus. Yeah, it's getting its back blown out. Holy shit, dude. What the. Is this like that Superman thing? Man of Steel, Woman of Kleenex? Yeah. So so is this like a a multi, a single entity, multi like form thing? So it could like manifest it as like. No, I mean, it's like. uh, like, like, Obviously, with the number of people in the world, it would have to be manifesting as this different things at the same time well it's not just one creature it's multiple creatures well, no, the, but the they qu- all i thought the question was the one thing doing you know no he said are all tulpas derived from the same oh yeah, yeah see? shit you're right it's the same thing okay. so so therefore it can like divide itself I among them i don't so, really believe that i don't think so, that's so, necessarily so, pl- well, that's basically saying is god an asshole and just fucking with you no not an asshole but you know fulfilling your desires or whatever i don't know man he shoved a thing up with lee streber's butt i'd say that's pretty well, asshole behavior it depends on your you know the, the 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 tulpa thing but anyway what i was getting at is just much in the same way that everybody's sitting on the toilet at the same time is connected by their butts, everyone it. having sex with these tulpas at the same time are connected by their genitals. So what you're saying is, if you fucked it's a an giant alien, fuck network, if you fucked any cryptid, go get tested. Yeah, because that shit's going around, man. Oh my god. You know, god. I never thought of it that way. But if I'm sitting on the toilet, I am technically connected to everybody else oh, sitting yeah. on a toilet. You yeah, heard that before. Yeah, your your butts are connected. You are part of the poly shit. <laughs> okay, I haven't heard that one before, but that's awesome. Well, yeah, I just the, made it up, so po- that's why you the, haven't heard it. The Poly Shit Network. Yes, you're part of the Poly Shit Network. You are all one. We can publish a paper on this, the Greater Poly Shit Theory. <laughs> so, so yeah, there's there's two toilets at work, and I've always said when two people are both shitting at work, they're connected. 
basically we share an asshole yes is the thing we all share one asshole when we're shitting at once and uh it makes us human i wish i was dead no uh (laughs) no i just wish i hadn't heard that but here we are so at some point we do need to discuss uh what the paranormal entity uh, in the superstructure theory is getting out of it once we do the superstructure episode but um, it, it's it's they, they they want our jizz I kind of feel like they're doing it to feed off of emotion or that too or like you know like Republicans and uh, the theory about the adrenochrome adrenochrome sure yeah so that's all of our questions for this week we are rounding out right at uh a really good time uh after edits i don't know how long it's gonna be but this has been a very good well-paced episode thank you guys you're welcome so Mm -hmm. we'll be back next week with a weekend weird david you got anything you want to share um Let's see. I think, uh, yes, next month, Holly and I will be doing the Kids' Stuff podcast, the Chucky podcast. She's going to be on as my co-host, and we're going to talk about uh, Child's Play 3. We're going to cover Bride of Chucky, and then we're going to review the episodes of the second season of the TV show as it comes out. Well, that is going to be awesome. Mm -hmm. I love that show. Yes. Uh, Mike and I will be at Dragon Con. Uh, at the end of the month. At the end of this month, beginning of next month. So uh, we will try to record some stuff there. There is an actual paranormal track of uh, uh, events. And we may try to take a couple of those in for the podcast. Yeah. And uh, we'll see what we can do for that. Uh, also, if you're out there and you're listening and you're going to be at Dragon Con, look for us. Uh, you know what I look like. I got a big old Santa Claus beard and long hair. And uh, I will probably be dressed as Joel from Mystery Science Theater at some point with a Tom Servo. Uh, I will also be giving out free stickers of uh, the new logo with the new pretty looking Enrique. And uh, yeah, we're going to have a really good time. David, I wish you could be there. No, me too, me too. One of these days, we're going to get together and we're going to do an event. We're going to go somewhere. Mm-hmm. It may be the Mothman Festival. It may be the Go- the Kentucky Goblin Festival. I don't know, but at some point, we're going to do this shit. Oh, yeah. We're gonna, and, and if it's the Mothman Festival, silver dollar pancakes. Yes. I'm still kind of excited about that, so yeah. Um. So, yeah, and uh, that just leaves me to once again bring up the fact that next Friday, April, uh, April, August 19th, 2022, I will be on Flagged for Content uh, with our uh, good friend Darth Plato hosting. And I will be talking about flags, a lot of Russian flags and making fun of them. We had a ball. We laughed a lot. It was good, good fun. So that being said, I guess that's it for the show. Mike, you got anything you want to say before I close? Um, wow, I'm glad this is done. Yeah, we can move on to other things that will drive you insane. Yes. Yes. And one day I'll kill you both. Wait, did I say it out loud? You said the quiet part loud. Damn it. Yeah. All <laughs> right. That. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We really appreciate it. Uh, if you want to donate 
or anything, you know, we'd appreciate it. You can buy some merch. We've got the Patreon. You can consider joining. We have some new episodes coming out. I got one in the pipe for editing, and me and David are going to try to record one real soon where we read some SCPs. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you want to find anything about the show, links to everything can be found at supernatpod.rocks. R-O-C-K-S. Supernatpod.rocks. You can find us on Twitter at Supernatpod. You can find David on Twitter at HPcomic. H-P-K-O-M-I-C. You can mm-hmm. find Mike you want to give your Twitter? Mm, not really. Okay, you can find Mike nowhere here. here. You, you can find Mike by taking a leaf into your open palm, whispering a message into the leaf, then letting it go into the wind over a canyon. Sounds good. Yeah, you know, that'll work. You reach me there. <laughs> yep, find Mike like that. And uh, again, thank you for listening. We will see you guys next time. So until then, stay safe. And stay frosty. Goodbye. Later. Uh. Don't fuck a donkey. Yeehaw. But it's my donkey. But it's your donkey. It's your donkey. Get out of my swamp. Oh, man, it was donkey.